You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. And it's been, uh, I'm sorry, everyone. We, we haven't put up a podcast for a few days now. I've been sick. Um, all the kids have been sick. All the kids have I been was sick. sick. Yeah, Anna's sick. Everybody's <laughs> had their turn. How did my, we? How did we get through this week? Man, I'm telling you, I'm, and I'm dealing with a, this kidney stone thing, whatever that is. I've had an ultrasound. We'll find out what that's all about. I guess in a week or so. And you know what, though, ever since you you ha, you have been dealing with this, so many people come forward like, "Oh, my husband had that. My, you know, my uncle had that. My brother had that." This is my first, and I never <laughs> want to have another one ever again. No, you won't be shopping for another one. Oh my gosh! I mean, you can't really do much. I mean, I, I don't know if this thing is passed or what. It's just my kidney is just hurting like crazy. So, um, you know. So anyway, we've had an ultrasound, and we'll see. But I mean, and it goes away sometimes. But then when it's hurting, I mean, you can't even jog. You can't do anything. Right? No, no, I can't Bending imagine. Over and picking up, tried to pick Jesse up one day, and literally fell to my knees. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I was putting him in the in his bed because he needed daddy to hold him, right? And I'm standing there and I think I was sweating. It hurt so bad. I right? don't want to be the favorite today. <laughs> Daddy's got to put him to bed and I'm just standing there going, oh God, please get me through this. All you guys that have had a kidney stone out there, okay, I've got a whole new respect for you. It's supposed to be the same or similar to a woman giving birth. I've I, never given birth. I've never given birth either. So. But I mean, God bless everybody that's had no a kidney kidding. stone or a child. I'll tell you, I've got a, a whole newfound respect for you. Um, At least with a child, you end up with your child with a stone. It's you got something like, you can show people yes. that everybody wants to cry and be <laughs> to do with your stone, right? No. Hey, want to see my kidney stone? <laughs> a great way to pick up girls at the home. Definitely. <laughs> I retired this week. Well, let's talk about that. That's big news. I didn't news. even tell you I was doing it either. No, I come home one day. It was sort of the same <laughs> thing as when I cut my when hair. When you cut your hair. <laughs> I wake up the next morning and Anna had these long flowing locks down the middle of her back. I wake up the next day and there's Anna with like, well, a little bit of hair in your head. One inch. An inch of hair. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> and how was your night? Yeah, exactly. It was pretty similar. I get home and Terry says, I announced my my retirement today. I'm On like, Facebook. Oh, really? <laughs> Not to your wife? What was that all about? You know what it was? You're just done with life? No, you know what it is? is uh, um, I, I just want to do the stuff I want to do. You know, basically, you 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 retired from working with me. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I I quit my job and didn't even tell my boss. I put it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I I've been you know working with you at Blessed Bodywear for a long time, and and working together, we've been able to really you know make this company into what it is now, and it's a pretty it's doing pretty really well, and. Back then, you asked me to jump in and manage the business because you didn't have that managerial, you know, you didn't feel you had the managerial skills, but you do. You know, you've got, you're, you're an incredible I've manager. Learned. You're an incredible visionary. You. <laughs> well, well, I, I think it was always there because I've met people that really it's just not there, but it's in you. And so it's just like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm, I'm spending my days, I'm 59 and I'm spending my days doing stuff that you can do. I can right. go do other things that are going to be, rewarding but Fine. also 
Fine, go. <laughs> you stayed your hour. hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? When you told me that, though, I, if anybody's I, I, ever seen, uh, so I married an axe murderer. You'll know that line, right? <laughs> Fine, yeah, was, go. You stayed your hour. <laughs> Did we just date ourselves? No, that movie's from. It's what? a cult movie. I Is think it any, the nineties. Anybody can enjoy it, even today. <laughs> <laughs> that and Nacho Libre. <laughs> yeah, Nacho and Napoleon Dynamite. Right. I think that's where it ends. Right? And we should quote them all I think we on will. the radio. We're just going to start every show. <laughs> and then you can post and tell us which show it's from. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I was so happy for you because it, it, it has been a transition. And you've worked, we have worked so hard this summer. But you've worked so hard to set up the shop and then kind of take the business to the next level. But it has been the, the past few weeks once the, the shop was up and running and, you know, all of the systems were done there really wasn't a whole lot for you to do here. And, uh, and and this is a thing. And it's not fulfilling to you because, let's be honest, you know, that's not your passion to okay, make. Let, with, let's with just be, wear. let's be honest for a minute. There isn't a single woman alive that, that buys blessed bodywear clothing that really wants me to be a part of this thing. They're not like, oh, I've got to go see Terry and Anna, is they just want to come and see you. It, the brand is you, and, and I think I just get in the way. And, and, and honestly, you know, I, I was big into photography, and I wanted to get into videography, and I started way back when. You know, I used to have photo shoots, used to do all those almost little music videos with the, you know, and I did that. But then now videography is just so easy now, and that's what I've really wanted to do is make movies. And you know? it's been the past two years that you, you've developed this, you know, this calling, like that's really what right, you want to do. Right, but I can't do it right. if I'm here all day solving, you know. Well, so this is what is... Waistband and gusset problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being an ex-SWAT guy and fighter and, well, and, and let's Harley talk about rider that. and you, camper, you know, you I'm here. Know. No, I think that's going to cause camel toe, Anna. We have to do something about that. <laughs> As if in my old life that would really matter. I'd be I'd be given a gold medal for designing pants to give you, girls camel you know toe. What, you know what's funny? Um, oh, this is a side note. I, I was over, I was talking are to Are we going to be laughing at Terry or with Terry? No, no, no. This? this is not about Terry. <laughs> you talked about camel toe and it's so weird to me. Yesterday I was at my sister's house. Why did they pick a camel? No, 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 no. Yes, listen to my story. Yesterday I was at my sister's house and she was trying on some pants. And it's this new pants I've designed with this new material. And... I, I had to make some changes to the pattern because at first it really shows some camel toe, right? I know. I was gravely concerned. And then, and then, and then I made the changes and now, you know, it's nice and flat. And, and so, but she was like hiking up her pants. And when you hike up your pants, you know, mm-hmm. it, it does that. That's when the fun starts. And then I was talking to her. I'm like, you know, it's funny because in Brazil... I've never heard anybody like say, oh my gosh, I got camel toe. I need to hide it. It's a really weird thing to us because that's just a body part. It's, it's like, how can I, how can I make it so I'm flat chested? You know, it's like you got boobs or you don't go, but it's, it's, it's just a body part to us. Brazil's a beautiful country. But here, you know, you never heard a guy say, oh, I need to camouflage my package. Oh, my package. <laughs> oh my goodness. These pants are showing my package. I can't wear them. 
I, I mean, I wish some guys would say that. Certainly cowboys. Okay, have you ever noticed cowboys and those tight wranglers? No. Baby. I, and that's a good point. No, I don't notice because I grew up riding horses and everybody wears tight pants to ride horses. And it's not something that you stare at because this is just like, it's just bodies. And to us, so she and I were laughing because to us, it's not something we ever think about. Right. But here is almost like, and it, this is just culture. It's not, it's not, it's not a knock on people. It's just like, it's interesting to us, but you know, you're not Barbie with a plastic flat <laughs> thing. <laughs> gusset, gusset. Gusset. So anyway, but here we are. And so we need to fix the camel yeah. toe problem. So we need a pant that you can pull up the crack of your butt because you want to show that part off, right? Yeah. Right? But it's but flat But it can't have camel toe. No. Because <laughs> nobody's supposed to know you have a vagina. There's an opportunity I mean, for a plastic surgery. Am I allowed to say surgery. that word here? Vagina? On yes, your show? I'm allowed to say that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> There's an opportunity there for plastic surgery. Because if nobody <laughs> in the world knew, I do have one. <laughs> yeah. it was you a can't secret. tell by your pants, that's you, for no, sure. <laughs> not by my pants. <laughs> well, nowadays you don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Camel toe, good or bad? I, uh, good or bad, <laughs> tell us in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that a lot of people are going to hate me, but it, that is just... Um, well, no, coming we, from a country toe... Or we a, talk a, about... A country toe, a country <laughs> where camel toe is accepted. That's not a bad... You can't judge somebody for that. That's just... That's, we, a, that's a culture. No, we, we last show, we talked about cultural differences, right? We did. We, did. And, uh, we kinda and you just, never brought up camel toe, we, but I'm glad you did today. No, we, we, we said we were going to have a whole show about it. In but, Canada, if you had camel toe, we'd never know because you couldn't see it through your ski suit. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Probably everybody's got camel toe there too. We just never know. <laughs> it's just confusing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pro camel toe myself. My mom is I've been to Brazil, 77 so. years old. Oh, okay. Don't. Don't. Don't even finish that No, sentence. she still wears a two-piece ba bathing suit oh, okay, to go that's to the okay. beach. That's okay. Yeah, but... Have you ever seen anybody 77 years old wear a two-piece here in the, in the U.S.? They don't even go to the beach anymore. Right. And if they do, they're wearing, you know... They're sitting under a tree. A muumuu and stuff like that because it's like it's not allowed. But when do you have to stop living? When you know, do that's you, true. When do you have to start, to start hiding yourself? Like, why, if your skin is not so tight anymore, why is that ugly? Like, I don't think... I don't think older people are That's ugly. That's your culture, and I think it's it's crazy. It's just, I mean, we, I remember when we went um, for our honeymoon. We went to Salvador mm -hmm. in uh, in Bahia, up in, in northern Brazil. This is no longer about your retirement, by the no, way. No, no. Well, uh, Brazil, <laughs> you know, his retirement. You know, he might travel to Brazil. Sure, it's kind of loosely connected, right? <laughs> but when we went there, we went to the beach, and you had always told me that people were not self conscious, and that was the first time I'd actually been there to a beach that wasn't at your mom and dad's beach, right? right. And, uh, you know, where, all the, where all the street, well, where all the street vendors are, they have it's a beach like, house there. <laughs> they don't own a beach. Yeah, Anna told me there was all kinds of street vendors who walked down there. It was like, we a it looked like the apocalypse had happened. <laughs> we there was nobody. It's a couple tumbleweeds if they have those in Brazil went by. But when we went to Salvador, you know, there was a great big girl and she had to be, I wouldn't say 300, but she was in the high twos mm -hmm. in a thong bikini. Yep. She's bending over to straighten out her towel. I didn't want to look. I had to look. 
but I was the only guy looking. Nobody cared. No. And there was a really, really hot girl that was bouncing around with some really hot guys in front of us, and nobody cared. Nobody made a big fuss. Right. And that's just it. It's just like everybody's just kind of doing their thing, but nobody makes a big deal. All the men wear Speedos, right? Yep. And they're not uh, trying to hide anything. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> or show off either. Like, it's just, it is what it is. I, I guess we are closer to, like, natives in a way, right? right. And, you know, if you look at N- natives native that, that Indians, you know. Deodorant and, <laughs> and shave. Yes, shave. And shave and <laughs> but, no, but uh, what but I mean way, is, and like. drive cars and live in. Um, nice condos. The way you look at yourself. <laughs> gated it. communities. Other than that, <coughs> flat out natives. Think about it. Okay. Why Why do people feel it's like... It's just a different they, culture where you don't get all hung up about about bodies and how people look. That's that's my point. And at the end of the day, it's just they, they care and more it, about who you are, the kind of person that you are, and, and that's and really it, that and, and that's an interesting point because at the same time... Brazil, I think, is number one country in plastic surgery. I don't know if it still is or not, but it's people are very worried about their appearance. People are very, yet so accepting. But they don't judge others of their of their own flaws and Utopia, other people's flaws. Folks, it's Utopia. like I really want to look like that girl, but I really want to enjoy my ice cream. And either way, I'm gonna wear my bikini. You know. That's kind of how it is. I'd go there if, if it wasn't such an unsafe place to go, like the beaches and stuff like that. I mean, up north, Rio. And like oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can be unsafe, especially <coughs> right now. It's kind of crazy, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good culture. It's just a speaking little more free. Speaking of retirement, speaking of retirement, <laughs> we might get a chance to go back there. We haven't been back for a few years. That's true. Yeah. I would like to go in January. Jesse so really, back in the, the retirement thing. Well, Re- well, what my what my plans are is it's 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 a retirement in the sense that I'm not I'm not doing photo shoots for money. I'm not doing anything for money. I'm doing what I want to do. In reality, I'll probably as busy or more than I have been. So it's not about not being busy. Well, how old were you when you started working? <sighs> I mean, I'm from Saskatchewan in Canada, and so you two. Know, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that's just it. You know, you, you, uh, you told my grandfather me that you were, had a farm. And, and you so, press your own clothes when you're what? Yeah, I was too. I burnt my leg. I had a big scar on my leg for years because I was ironing my own clothes, right? right? But, um, but that's just it. I mean, when I was, I think it was nine or 10, I got my first 22 rifle for, I think it was Christmas or my birthday. I think it was Christmas. And uh, used to take that by myself out into the bush and there they called it the gateway to the north but trappers actually used to come into town with their furs and trade them at a place right behind where i lived oh my gosh and yeah so that's what it was so you could just go i could just walk down to the river and go up on the other side and you're out in the middle of nowhere and i would go out there and i would shoot rabbits and that's what we would eat for the week right and so I was just grocery That's shopping. That's so insane. Like, thinking but I was about just a kid. I was just a little kid by myself with a twenty-two rifle see, out hunting. Cultural different differences day, right? again. Right. And so, and so my grandpa had a farm, and the the greatest thrill was going out and doing anything with grandpa on the farm. You know. Right. Um, my first. You moved out at what? Fourteen or fifteen? Moved out at fifteen, 
And, and then and that bought was a car your... for a hundred bucks. <laughs> I didn't have a license, but I bought a 1959 Morris Oxford for a hundred bucks. And I got a job delivering pizza. I didn't have a driver's license, but I got a job delivering pizza. And I lived in a little place that cost 17 bucks a month. The landlady oh was Mrs. Goodness. Jabrowski was her name. Of course. And she only charged me $17 a month. Mm-hmm. And you had to share a bathroom down the hall. But I had a hide-a-bed that was like one of those real bumpy ones. It was horrible. Oh, my gosh. And I had a hot plate and only one of the burners worked. <laughs> So all I ate was just the pizza at the end of the night when I was done delivering. That's all you ate for the day? Yeah, I would just get my pizza at the end of the night oh and then I'd eat gosh. that and then that would be my meal. And I went to high school and yeah, it was great. That's, that's insane. Yeah, so that's where, that was my first real big job. And right? then what, what was after that? And then I got a job at uh, a place called Beaver Lumber. <laughs> that's what they call it is it still there it's gotta be i would it's like Canada. to go visit <laughs> you just want to see the sign this is be yes. lumber i want to take a picture <laughs> but i i worked there in the uh, uh plumbing department and i worked in the a uh, little bit in electrical not very much but in the hardware and plumbing so i learned a great deal did you mm-hmm and then Can I worked at Coca-Cola's uh, sorting pop bottles. That was back when they were pop bottles. So they'd come off the big right, trucks. Right, And some of the... No plastic. No. And some of the pallets, you'd have to take them and sort them, which were Coke, which were Sprite, you know, like that, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and so you'd have to do it really fast because you're bringing a big truck. They load the big truck to go out. They come back with another truck. And that's what you do. So I was like... I was skinny as a rake. Oh, my god! And you just go like a million miles an hour trying to keep up with these guys. And they hire kids for that, huh? And then I went and applied after I did that for three months. I went and applied at a, a, for a loan at the Bank of Nova Scotia on the corner of Albert and Dudney in Regina, Saskatchewan. For Not those. vagina, Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. Applied for a loan to buy a Camaro. Yeah. They turned me down on the loan. But they gave me a job as a loan officer. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I don't know. They just the guy just really liked me for some reason, and and so they. How old were you then? Oh gosh, what was I? I don't know, seventeen or eighteen. Did you already have your daughter? <clears throat> yes. Oh wow. Um, we might have had her after. I, you know, I'm not clear on that, but it was around that time because I remember I used to wear, used to wear a suit. In an overcoat and toe rubbers oh my over gosh. my dress shoes, and I'd walk to the bus, right, and take the bus to to work, and and they were about they were they were getting me ready to have my own branch, and I would be managing my own branch. So I was about I guess eighteen or nineteen then, and then I worked there for two years, and I was doing really well, and they were going to put me in my own branch, and I got accepted. Out of twenty five hundred guys, seven of us got accepted uh, to join the police force. Were you so happy to leave the bank? I was so happy to leave the bank. I can't imagine you. You hate math. <sighs> it was the worst. You what it was back then is that you know day. you collected credit card debts and bad loans and stuff. So you give that job to the bonehead that just you know the right. lowest on the totem pole. Yeah. And so all day long, all you on do the is phone? just get yeah. No. I, it was cool. I got to go out for a repossession once. Yeah. Really? Guy. Yeah. And then he, and then the guy, uh, this is a long thing. We ended up, the guy stole the thing and the guy that was doing it with me was an ex-cop. And so we had this big chase through the country and it was pretty exciting <laughs> Old school stuff. way of Yeah. Yeah. The old repo. school way of repoing cars, right? <laughs> so here's me, you know, what, 135 pounds with a roll of quarters in my pocket, you know, tough guy. <laughs> this kid. Anyway. People get crazy and mean when you go repo their stuff, Yeah, they don't right? like their car. Yeah, you almost said the S word. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I know. I caught Jesse saying, oh, 
<laughs> I thought he was saying ocean. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm going. Turns out it's not. Oh, maybe. He got that off of that vlog you did. When, when you did that photo shoot in, in, Mission, ba- in Mission Beach. You got to stop him from watching that again. Because <laughs> that was embarrassing. He to say ocean. Ocean. <laughs> All right, so then you got into the police department. Got in the police department, and it was great. Seven out of 2,500? Yeah, seven of us. And then I Do was, you think there's still a lot of people applying to be cops nowadays? <laughs> uh, probably less. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Back then, police actually, like people actually, and this is going to sound crazy, nobody's going to believe me, but people would actually stop us on the street and thank us for doing our job. I know it's crazy. That's cool. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, no kidding. And they expected you. They expected you. That if uh, somebody was up to no good, that you, you know, cuff them around the ears and stuff like that. That's right. what it was back. That was 1979. Right. So it was a different world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> did that, was selected to be on SWAT, which was. How long did it take for them to, for well, you, you to be in, into Well, you got to put in five years. Five years, okay. And then uh, it's very selective group. Mm-hmm. And so I was selected and um, I really, really enjoyed my time. Is that there. what That's you really loved the most? My, up my alley. Yeah. yeah. Totally up my alley. How long were you in SWAT? Um, it was in my third year. I left the police department after that. Right. I got into business and left the police department. There's a whole other story around that, but we don't have time for that today. But Not today, yeah. Um, so then you move on to business? Got into business and uh, had... Okay, so I'm driving down the street and I see this store for rent. And so I go to Sears. We didn't have cell phones then. So I called the guy on the payphone. It was only 250 bucks a month. He says, I'll take it. So then I'm figuring, okay, now what will I do in there? No, you so took I decided, it before even knowing? Yeah, I just, it was a good deal, right? So, so I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I was really into powerlifting then, right? Mm-hmm. So I figured I would open up a shop that sold supplements because that, that didn't exist in Canada at the time. Right. That would sell supplements and clothes. Mm-hmm. but there weren't really any suppliers. There were some in the U S <laughs> but the duty was so much. So I went down and bought a sewing machine or a serger. Yeah. And, uh, and somebody had a sewing machine that I borrowed and I went and bought a whole bunch of material and I made, I sewed all. Why the pants. aren't you sewing over here? No for way. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, Lycra spandex was a big deal for guys. Right? Sure. And so it's I sewed, again now I sewed sweatshirts. Uh-huh. I sewed spandex. You're I sewed, kidding. No. And by Christmas time, I opened in fall, and by Christmas, did I you, sold out. Did you make the ones that are, like, cut out around the neck? You know, <laughs> the 80s ones? Did you? <laughs> Elaine's got a story, because we had some shirts, and we cut them. She cut them up, right? Yeah. And then somebody came in and said, oh, do you have any of these? And she says, oh, I'll just go check in the back. And so she goes in there, ranks them out of the box, cuts it all Got- Oh, we had one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so bad. And then, and then Elaine was a hairstylist then. And so we set up a, in the mezzanine on that building. It was a cool building. In the mezzanine, we set up a hair salon. And that's, <clears throat> you know, that did well. And then the store did really We did really, really well. Right. I mean, a ridiculous amount of money in that business. And so after a year, I just decided, you know, you were going to move. That's when you moved, Yeah, right? I mean, I was on my third marriage. <laughs> you know, police work kind of does that to you, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I mean, police work, I'm very proud of my time there. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I remember when I started, my trainer said in the first, or the, pardon me, the recruiter said, in the first three months, you're going to see just about everything there is to see. Really? And other than a couple things, he was right. Mm-hmm. And so I was 20 years old. And so suddenly, every 20-year-old that I knew... Right. You know, your life experience. So you're, you're not, you, you, you got, you can't sit and talk with them anymore because it's like talking to two-year-olds. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't fit in with the older guys. Right. So you're really kind of on don't your belong. own. Right. And so, so you go through that sort of thing and then you come home and nobody wants to hear your stories, but you know, you've, you've seen some very, very horrific things and right. done some things that you never imagined you would do. Right. And, uh, I remember going to church one time later in my career and the pastor uh, saying, you know, is there anybody in here who want to talk about fear, right? He says, anybody had, you know, feared for their life, thought they were life could possibly end, you know, that day. And, and, uh, and he says, well, how about, you know, in, in the last week? Well, how about the last month? How about in the last 10 years? How about in your life? You know, right. and most people were like, no. And I'm going, well, I can think of three times this week. You right, know? right. <clears throat> and that was, that was that job. And so it changes you. Mm-hmm. Everybody you you talk to is lying to you, right? Okay, everybody hates you. It doesn't matter who it is, rich people, poor people, everybody hates you. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they did something and they don't want to take responsibility for it, so it's your fault. They're going to take it out on you, right? Because you're a part of the system, so you're the tip of the spear. They just take it all out on you, even though it's not you. Makes sense, yeah. You know, and so you're that's there. just it. You're the you just honestly, you shovel shit. That's all you do <laughs> all day long, every day. Right. And you loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one night I remember, you know, it was a really, really busy night. <clears throat> and this is just an example to sort of illustrate my point. Really, really busy night. And I don't remember who I was working with, but we get a call three times to go check this warehouse. Now, the back of this warehouse, it's a train track and then a ditch, a big ditch, and then a big open field that goes to a cemetery. <clears throat> so we're back there. And this building is a long building and it's lit, right? So we have to go check all the doors. Well, the last time we went there, all of a sudden, we, somebody starts shooting at us, okay? We got no place to go, okay? So we hit the dirt. I belly crawl back to the car, get my shotgun out the back, belly crawl back to where my partner was. We're, we're laying in a big mud puddle. In Saskatchewan in the summer, it's just mosquito central, right? We laid there for hours. We had to call in the dog man and a SWAT guy, other than me, to go in there and try to find this guy. And the next day they found where his position was because they found the spent casings. But we're there. So we're covered head to toe in mud. Okay. We've just been shot at. (laughs) We're driving back to the station and a pickup truck just goes flying the other direction. So we turn around and go after him, right? Mm -hmm. Great big car chase throughout the city. We get stopped and we get stopped in this, this parking lot of the hotel called the Sevens in Regina. And it was just a, you know, if you've ever seen the Star Wars cantina, it's just every freak and scumbag and cockroach in the world goes there. And the bar is just getting out. So there are literally hundreds of people in the parking lot. And we wheel up at this guy. And that's where the chase ends. So they're not about to let us take this guy. Oh we my. call for backup. There's no backup. It's a busy night. And I thought, screw this. So, so anyway, long story short, we got out of there with the guy. Take him into the office. That's been the first half of our shift. We missed our lunch. We missed everything. There's only one place open we can go to eat at that point, And it's a donut shop. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we go in there. We sit down. This is after shower. Change the uniform. Go back there. We need something to eat. Right? right. Sit down. And there's a cabbie there. And he starts giving me the gears about cop eating donuts in the oh donut shop. Oh, my gosh. After all that. I wanted to put one in his forehead. I did. I'm sure you did. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, you know, but you don't. You just sit there and just nod and chuckle along. And, right. Right. And that's the job. Right. And that's the people that you deal with. And that's everybody, all the armchair quarterbacks out there that know what the police should do. Go do the job for a couple of weeks and then come back and tell me what you should do. Right. And that's like every job. You know, are you going to stand there and tell a surgeon what to do or? Right. No. You know. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. And I think that within every profession, Mm -hmm. there's the job and then there's good people, there's bad people. You can't never put 
a whole bunch of people in one category, good or bad. No, and no matter thing what is, you're is, talking is about, doing the job. It's a very dangerous job, and, and and our job is to do something that nobody else wants to do. So they hire you to do it. Right. Yet they presume because they've watched TV that they know how to do the job better than you. And it's the same with police and military. Mm-hmm. They don't do that with firemen. And they don't do it with paramedics and they don't do it with doctors. Yeah. But they do it with cops in the military. And so civilians that have never ever done the job feel that they can tell you how to do your job better and what you're doing wrong. And it's just a screwed up system. So honestly, I loved the work. I loved the work. Um, I loved SWAT. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't deal with everything else. No, nah, the public drove me crazy, you know, but what what was worse is the guys that were inside that everybody wants to be chief. Mm-hmm. And, and so being Playing in politics. the office was probably the hardest part of it. Politics. It's just those guys. Cause you, you getting, you getting the screws, put you out on the street, you're putting your life on the line literally. Yeah. And then you come back in the office and these guys are trying to backstab you, you know? So I was, I, I knew I wouldn't make it the 25 years. Right. So you <clears> just <throat> got out when it you would just take too much away from me. Yeah. And I had other things in me. And since then, I mean, I've gone on, you know, I started that first business was that store in that hair salon. Yep. And I just like, okay, didn't have a clothing supplier. How hard can it be? I'll just make the clothes. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Somebody else makes them. Why, why can't I? Sure. And so I just dove in and did it. And, and then later we got suppliers and stuff like that. And the business was a great success. And then we moved on. I, I owned a gym. I did, did a whole bunch of things. I was a business consultant. I was the, you know, president of a public company. I was, you know, I did a many, many, Supplements, many things. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was in the supplement business for a while. Did lots and lots of things. And then you moved to the did U.S. Business became consulting. A I owned a print magazine <laughs> right? up in Canada. Um, and then I came to the U.S. and then um, became a photographer. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I was a photographer before I came here. But And becoming a photographer, literally, I was sitting at home with Elaine. And I said, let's take you to the Olympia and make you famous. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she kind of, okay. Because... <laughs> I was just one of those guys, if I say I'm going to do it, I just do it, right? Yeah. And so we got in the car. We drove to Vancouver. It was four hours away. I stopped at Broadway Camera, walked in there, and asked the guy, listen, I need to buy a camera. And he says, what kind do you want? I said, I don't know anything about cameras. I said, what about that big one up there? And he says, oh, no, that's a pro body. You know? And I said, well, give me that one. And give me a lens that goes with I'm going to be a pro. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking <laughs> at you like. Give me the best you got. <laughs> he's looking at me like I'm nuts, right? You're like, oh, and just I say, give me a lens. Give me a lens that goes with that. So he gave me a cheap lens that went with it. We got in the car. We drove down to the Olympia. And I shot four models. Tamea Mahrova, Susie Curry, who was Miss Olympia at the time, um, Mandy Blank. And um, um, Melissa Forbeel. For the young people listening. That <coughs> Those are all top A-list, triple right. A-list girls. Those are the top. They're all competitors in the Olympia. Top four at the and time. And the pictures yeah. turned out amazing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so sure. I just continued on with it. And within a couple of years, I was getting published by all of the top magazines. And then eventually got under contract with, with many of them. I covered contests for Oxygen, all the IFBB Pro sh- uh, shows. And the top national level shows I covered those. No wonder you want, you don't want to work at my shop anymore. No, no, no. I like <laughs> I like solving the gusset problem, the camel toe problem. No wonder you asked for a. a you're like I'm out of here. I'm well, retiring. The thing is, is that no, you know what? Um, you look at everything that you've been through, and you know now what you share with me is that you want to help others through sharing stories. 
Um, well, I've always loved telling stories. Writing, yes. I mean, I, had that's the, I started that website, bodysport.com, way back when everybody said the women would never make it in the fitness industry, right? Isn't that they, would never, they said that women will never carry a show, they'll always need bodybuilding. Right. And bodybuilding now is all but dead. Yeah, and everything is bikini and yeah, know, exactly. And so the thing is, is that I had this website and I was the first one in the world to have one dedicated to competitive women in fitness and mm-hmm, figure back mm-hmm. then. It wasn't bikini back then. And at one point in time, we had a million unique visitors a month on that website. So it was huge. Yeah. You know, um, you couldn't monetize it then like you can now. Right. But it was a massive success, you know. And so... Um, the, the thing that I loved about that is I got to tell those amazing stories about other people. Mm-hmm. And that was really what I did for all the magazines. And that's a talent that you have, you know, like, and, and, and that's the thing. Uh, telling stories is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of documentaries just because I yeah. love, um, you know, I love history. I love knowing about people. I love, I just love, uh, anything that is factual, yeah. you know, but the way you tell stories and that's why you're so well known for it is just you're very you have a very unique way to look at the world. It's like when Terry and I went to Rome, you know, in the end, he he told me all the things that he got out of the trip. And I was like, hold on, I was with you and I didn't see any of that. But <laughs> The best was the time we went to the movies with Prue that time? Yes. <laughs> and we had an hour conversation and she was like, oh, I just thought it was about baseball, you know? <laughs> but that's the thing. And I think that um, the good storytellers, that's what they do is they provoke thought. Mm-hmm. You know, they make you stop and think about something that you take for granted or something that you just... Most of us are just too busy. We had this conversation this morning. You know, Terry's like, Anna, you're just going, 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 but just wait a second, you know, look at this, look at this. And it's like, wow, okay. And I think that's how we we live our lives. And that's why Mm -hmm. we need good storytellers to make us stop and and say, okay, I have a short life, you know, and uh, whatever is stressing me out today might not be the most important thing in the world. Yeah. Um, maybe I need to take the time to breathe and take in and maybe help others. And Taking that big step back <clears throat> is really important to gaining perspective and, and prioritizing what's the most important things. And, right. and at this point in my life, uh, you know, I've got buddies that are retired, buddies that have just retired, and, and um, you know, they're doing the things they want to do. Uh, for me, um, what I'm doing is I'm stepping away of doing things for, for pay. Right. I'm not ever going ever <laughs> in my life ever doing another paid photo shoot. You've been saying that for a oh, few years now and gosh. It always happens every here time and I there. come back I regret it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so uh, just not doing that anymore. And um, I just want to shoot the stuff. You that just I want to be shoot. the old eccentric artist that you know, nobody can tell you what to do, right? <laughs> well, it's just, that, you know, you know how it always works. And, and there was a, the, one of the, and I can't remember her name. She's the most prolific graphic designer of our time. Oh, right. We uh, saw the You know, the whole love thing, you know, from yeah. the 70s onward, she just, she's, yeah, she from, defines pop from culture. From New York. New York yeah, from yeah. New York. And how she, she, she explained it, she says, you know, when they first get you, you know, you're way, way, way high up on this totem pole, right? Right. And then they That's hire, why they picked you as an artist. That's why they picked you project. because of what you do, right? And so they hire you and they say, okay, we want this done this way. And and while they're doing it and you're sort of pushing back and saying, well, no, it can't really be done that way. Da, 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 da. Then you go way down. Now you don't know anything. They know everything, right? So then you 
explain your way back up and you do, but you never get back up to that original place. Right. And this just goes on and on and on as you work, you know, and, and at the end of the day, the people that hire you typically have massive egos. Mm-hmm. And, and so they want you to do this thing the way you do it, but they want you to do it their way. Right. Well, if I do it your way, it's not my work. Why don't you just take the camera and you go do it then? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so it's so rare that you find somebody uh, that will just allow you to do things the way you want them done. Right. You know, like most of the magazines I work for, there's a couple of them that were like that. Just do your thing, you mm-hmm. know, but most of them weren't. There's a formula. Right. We want something different, but give us the same thing. Yeah. And that was always the joke. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, we want to evolve in something different, but oh no, this isn't the same. We need a form. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever. Right. Yeah. So you do it for money. But the thing of it is, is it's not what you creatively see in your head. Right. And that's the frustration. And, <clears throat> you know, when I was a, just coming up as a photographer, I did everything the way I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's some of my best work. Mm-hmm. Then when you get up there and you're really good and people want to start paying you, they start wanting to pay you a lot Higher, of money. Yeah. That's when you're allowed to be less and less creative. Right. You know, and then they all oh, good lads slipping. No, good lads not slipping. Just get your foot off my back and let me do what I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll get something amazing. Right. right. So now I can just uh, and that was the thing. Magazine art directors drove me crazy because they're art directors are graphic designers, not photographers and they're not storytellers. They're graphic designers and very few of them. I think there was one guy that I worked with that actually had any level of vision at all, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And and so, and they're always the gatekeeper. They're the ones that pick your pictures, you know? And it was always funny because I, I had exclusivity on my pictures. So if I gave them to a magazine, whatever they rejected, I could use. That was always the deal. Right. Right. And so they would put out in the magazine, Pictures that I always thought were subpar, <laughs> not the, they wanted all of them. And, and so I would give them all the pictures. They, the best ones were the ones that I would keep and I would put them on bodysport.com. That's why I had a million people coming there right. every month. And why they're, why they're, do you think that is? They, why do you think they don't pick the best ones? Lack of, lack of vision, lack of talent. That's, it. That's, that's just it. Like part of what I do is I take a photograph because for me, if I'm photographing you, I'm not, I'm just going to be straight. I'm not, I'm not trying to take pictures of your tits and your ass. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to bang you. Okay. What I want to do is that's weird. Not, not at the We're time, married. not at the time <laughs> or, or any other model. It's not about a sexual encounter for me. Right. What it is, is it's art. about finding something beautiful inside. And so what I try to do is I photograph personalities. Mm-hmm. So you in the morning, when you first get up and you've a little bit sleepy and you're having your coffee and you're doing your makeup and I'm sorry, I bring you in a coffee. You you give me that smile and it's just so precious. And so I try to recreate that, Mm -hmm. that realness. Right. And that's why I think modeling for me is probably the hardest Mm -hmm. because I push you to do more. It's not just enough to have a good body or a pretty face. Right. It's about expression. Right. And so working with those models that will allow that and push themselves a little bit rather than push back and say, well, the other photographer didn't want me to do that. You know, <laughs> the other um, photographer just asked me to turn around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, that's what I always strive to do. Right. right. But like, I remember one shoot that I did, I was given, what was it? I mean, it takes about 45 minutes to set something up and I was given like 10 minutes or something per set. I remember I was there. Yeah. And it's like, how do you expect to get my best if I get 10 minutes to do something and just setting up the set takes 45 minutes? Right. You know, and, and so it's just, that's what you get. 
is yeah. just no vision, no foresight, no creativity in that way. You know, they know how to lay out a page, right. but they don't have that kind of creativity. They don't have vision like that. And they, and they don't have the sense of working with this person. They just see the picture of a girl. I have to work with the personality right. and every fear they have, any, every inhibition, every, you know what I mean? Everything their, their dad oh, ever said. Especially, you know, you are not in a high fashion industry where models come in. No, you know, and they're just clothes hangers. Right. And no, and also like for example, like Victoria's Secret models, let's right. say that, that are shoot all the time. And they're all, very they're extremely trained. They yes. know the they know what to expect. Like we work with girls that are basically your everyday woman that that looks great and wants to take Well, that's for blessed body where in the fitness industry these are athletes and somehow athletes even harder. Yeah. Well, they think that athletes and models are the same thing and it's not. Right. It's like being a a, a bus driver can can't fly an airplane necessarily unless he's trained in an airplane, right? right. And to be a pilot. And, and it's the same thing. Being an athlete and looking good has got zero to do with modeling. Right. They're two completely different things. Modeling unless you're a doing, a, uh, treating them as bodies and objects. Bingo. But not to express emotions. Yeah, if you're bent over doing a row or you're squatting or something like that, right. sure. Right. But I can replace you with anybody yeah. and have the same picture. Yeah. To be a picture about you you have to model. You have to express yourself. Right. Like shooting you is a dream. You're my best model because you actually give into the process and you do what needs to be done. And we always get the best shots with you. Well, and that was, you know, that was what was difficult for me at first because I was so worried about my body when I first started modeling and I couldn't, I couldn't get the other part. And once it I understood, once I understood, oh, this is acting. Right. This is not fitness modeling. Like somehow fitness modeling, you put it in this box and it's all about your abs. Everybody, and, wants, uh, everybody wants to stand like they're on stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I want a picture of that. And then when you realize, oh, this is acting. It's like, this can be anything. It's yeah. endless. <coughs> Excuse me. And so now, now I get to choose the models that I want to work with. And honestly, there's a small group of girls that I like to work with because they will work with me right? yeah. and we get our best pictures. And, and then my big thing now is I want to, you know, <clears throat> you're, you're dealing sorry. with that cold still, I'm sorry. still congested. Yeah. But back, uh, you know, five years ago, we couldn't, you know, there wasn't a YouTube or seven years ago, there wasn't a YouTube. Right. And so now there's a YouTube. Anna's in rough shape today. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to quit smoking, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right? But now I can tell those stories, not just written stories, but I can tell them in video as well. And that's really the next thing I want to tackle. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, <coughs> hopefully you won't be coughing in the video. Oh, my gosh. What happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> I'll be healthy for the next one. I'm all congested and you're still coughing. <laughs> but that's what I want to do. So I won't be doing, you know, it's just I'm not going to be, I'm going to be doing what I want to do. I'm not going to be doing less of anything by, by a long shot. So I can't wait. We just got to free you up now because you're going to be. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I, this one's gone kind of long. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, we'll be back in a couple days, hopefully in a couple days. Healthy. Healthy in a couple of days with another <laughs> podcast. We should be doing these every, every like every three times a week. And if we can, we're going to start doing them more often. But uh, we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode of uh, uh, Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Mm-hmm.